Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast with Dave, Honky, Mac, and Boomer. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I am your host, David Gaspers, and I am with Honky. Uh, the Redcast sends our prayers to Khalil Davis for a quick recovery from a recent weight room injury. I, too, know the pains of pumping over 600 pounds of iron. <laughs> really? I, I I didn't realize that you are that, that big of a monster in the gym, Honk. Wow. Yeah, beefcake. Uh <laughs> I'm also with Boomer. I'd just like to remind the uh, Redcast listeners that uh, things still look pretty good for the uh, uh, championship selection, so I wouldn't worry. Coming up here, uh, we'll be seeing the uh, actual selection for the uh, April NCAA Bowling Championship after the uh, great success the women had at the Big Red Invitational this weekend. So there's still hope. All right. They bounce back great. for some early season difficulties, and they'll, they'll be back in the uh, the field of... Eight or sixteen or whatever it is for bowling, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That that may not happen uh, next uh, Sunday when uh, the uh, NCA selection show comes on for men's basketball. The Huskers fell flat on Friday, uh, losing to Michigan, who was the eventual champion of the Big Ten tournament. Uh, by almost 20 points and uh, was not their best performance, let's put it that way. Um, but I, I do think you have to put the caliber of uh, the team that they did lose to um, as part of that equation. Um, you know, I, I got a feeling Boomer's going to be really negative on this one, so I'm going to start with Honky. Honky, <laughs> uh, what did you think on Friday? Obviously, you're disappointed. That's that's a no-brainer. But uh, what did you see out there? Yeah, crud. I, <laughs> I was going to be the negative guy. Um it's it was tough because that just I don't think that was by any means that was far from our best performance. And to your point, Dave, obviously Michigan went on to handle Michigan State and Purdue pretty well. I mean they're playing very good basketball right now. So you know it just we just were never really in it. You know it started close, but there was a twelve minute stretch there in the first half I think where we scored one basket or you know and it's just we got too far down and then we'd make a couple of little runs there at the end of the first half to get it to 10 at halftime and we start off the second half with a alley-oop to Roby and and then it's just nothing happened again so yeah, I don't got know. Yeah, a 7 maybe I think at lowest and then that was yeah. about it. Yeah. It just, it, it was rough. Tough game to watch. Yeah. Boomer? Yeah, that's uh, about the best way to put that. Tough game to watch. I think it's kind of taking some energy out of the entire uh, Husker Nation, I think, this week, unfortunately. That was uh, that was a game I think we all were really hoping for. We'd gotten what people wanted, that uh, the double bye, the four seed, things were looking good. You know, you win a game or two, and, you know, and everyone, I think, would be feeling pretty positive. You know, especially you saw Iowa play Michigan close that first game and take them to overtime. You thought that might have helped, and, man, they just came out totally flat and 
just didn't seem at all ready for that game. I don't know if it was, you know, the pressure on the big stage got to him or if it really helped Michigan, you know, having that game against Iowa kind of woke them up and knock some rust off. That certainly, maybe we would have been benefited by being the five seed, having an earlier game. I don't know. That might, that yeah. might have helped us. I, I, I was thinking about that afterwards. Maybe we didn't want the double bye. I don't know. But just a very unfortunate. Yeah, I had the yeah. same thought. Yeah. Yeah, just very unfortunate yeah. tournaments. Yeah. I mean, came out looking the worst team out of that entire conference. You know, if we were relying on the eye test to try to get us in, and that was the first look maybe a lot of people might have had at Nebraska. I don't know how often people tuned into the Big Ten Network to watch us play in our run at the end of the year. Certainly didn't win too many converts over to the cause, I don't think, with that kind of a game. So. Sure. Well, that game was also on BTN, well, true, right? but, yeah. Um, I, th- I think. And you had the CBS games on on Saturday and Sunday here, and that that's what I think almost I'm the my, my dig, biggest disappointment was the fact that Husker fans couldn't enjoy Nebraska being on the big stage even for 24 hours, right? Win that game and your Saturday afternoon on CBS with Bill Rafferty and Jim Nance and, and the whole nine yards, right? I mean, it, uh, you know, everybody's talking about you in the studio at halftime, et cetera, et cetera, and, and we didn't get any of that. And uh, we just don't get a lot of, of uh, national recognition for basketball for obvious reasons. I'm not saying they actually deserve it sometimes, but, uh, boy, it'd sure be nice to have it. Uh, we haven't had it really for, it feels like, 25 years and uh, that, that that's my biggest yeah. disappointment. I, I do think that Michigan was playing really, really good this week, and it might have helped uh, shake off the nerves versus a lesser opponent as the fifth seed. Uh, they they didn't seem like the the stage was too big for them where we didn't play our best game. Um, yeah. Well, and Dave, yeah. you know, I'll ask Honky a question mm-hmm. uh, really quick. I mean, the. Did the performance on Friday change your perception of the Nebraska team at all? Yeah. I mean, I, along with 57% of our Redcasters who responded in our Twitter poll last week, I felt that we needed to win the one game to really guarantee ourselves in. And I still think that uh, the 19% that said we didn't need to win any, uh, I I still agree that I think that, that we could get in without it. But the way that we lost... Is just really tough because I was kind of a big eye test guy, and I was a guy saying, "Bama and o- OU going down the stretch. These are teams. They're not just losing. They're getting they're getting housed. They're getting beat bad. And for us to turn around and play that exact same way in that game at a time when we really couldn't have it, there's still hope we can get in. But it just it's it's really hard here. And just to follow up on that Twitter poll, we had 572 votes and and. Uh, 19% said zero, 57% said uh, we needed to win one game, and really only 19% said that they thought we needed to win two, and only 5% thought that we needed to win three. So, I mean, I think most Husker fans going into it were pretty confident. Uh, I mean, almost 80% there were thinking we were already in or we just needed to win one. But, boy, it just – I think you even get the sense here, this is Sunday night. This is a couple days afterwards, and – some of the energy is still kind of sapped out of this. And, it, again, it's not that we can't get in. I mean, we still have a resume that can get us into it. But even Penn State winning against Ohio State again makes them very eligible as a as a fifth team from the Big Ten. And and I, I Dave and I kind of differ at times on this, but I really think the conference thing plays out. And, and you know, they're probably going to – they're so talking about taking four Big Ten schools. And if they take a fifth, is it Nebraska? Is it Penn State? I mean, so, 
Yeah, let's let's talk about that. I think that'll up the energy of the go. show just a little bit. What the hell, right? So, Boomer, you can be the ref on this one, all right? Yeah, but so, Honky, talk me through wait, your foul, reasoning. Foul. Oh, oh wait, I'm a Big Ten ref, this. so I'll just yeah, blow whistles. Oh, very nice. <laughs> okay, wait. Sorry, sorry, sorry. All right, regroup. So, so you're, so so Honky, you're telling me that the um, the committee lands on a certain number that they want to uh, have for each conference. And then they will just stick with that number regardless of the resumes, uh, whether they're deserving or not. Is that what you're telling me? That is not at all what I'm telling you. What I'm telling you is when they get done and they start to – when they get through all their their first 90% of the teams and they're getting down to the last piece of it, it will play a role when they will look in in how the conference breakdown goes. They'll absolutely look at – they'll look at that. Uh, Lunardi, you know, there's a reason why when they show Lunardi on – ESPN and over his right corner of his of his shoulders a conference breakdown, and he thinks that there'll be eight from the SEC and eight from here. There's a reason that they write those numbers down. So it's not that it's the overriding thing, but I guess the point is, is that most people going into last weekend said that the Big Ten was going to get four, and my whole point all along was that if we can get five in, if we can get five, I think Nebraska has a good chance. I'm telling you is right now if we get five in, our I'm not sure that Nebraska is a clear number five now because of what Penn State has done. And so if, if that's how so, they break so it when, down, if that's how when, they look at it the, at all. Right, so the selection committee is, is getting to the, the, the last 10%. Correct. They've already chosen most of the at-large field, and they are down to those bubble teams. Correct. I mean, they're bubble teams whether they get in or get out, but they're a mm-hmm. bubble team. Um, and you're saying that when – uh, Nebraska comes up on that line, and and Penn State is right next to them, and they are deciding, and they're like, okay, yeah, uh, we're gonna we're gonna take Alabama, okay, we're taking USC, okay, looks like uh, next next uh, teams we're comparing Penn State versus Nebraska, okay, we're taking Penn State, Penn State's in, okay, well then just forget about Nebraska, we we're, we we we're just taking those five Big Ten teams. We think that's all the Big Ten deserves this year. Nebraska, mm-hmm. even though, you know, I think you are better than Syracuse. I think you are better than mm-hmm. Louisville. I, I'm dropping you because I just I, I can't see how we could get a six Big Ten team in this year. They're they're just not that good. We we, we can only let yeah. five in. So there's Nebraska. Well, I, I guess I'll put it this way. I, that's how, he, I guess how it goes. I'll put it this way. I didn't say it. You and Boomer had this uh, this discussion on a previous show a week or two ago. You guys broke down what the conference RPI was, and you said, you you said at the time, you go, I, I realize that that the committee doesn't use this as one of their metrics, but they are human, and the fact that the metric is out there that the Big Ten was the sixth conference from an RPI perspective behind, behind well, definitely behind the Big East, behind the Pac-12 at the time, just barely ahead of the uh, American uh, Athletic Conference, then yeah, if if that number's out there, then that's something that they will consider and. And they will start to look at it and go, "Is this? Are you going to get six in from the Big Ten? I'll just, I'll just use the the common sense test. Are people? Is the media? How would they respond to six Big Ten schools being in, based off of what we've seen over the last uh, couple of weeks to a month of uh, the narrative is not that the Big Ten is worthy, barely worthy of five, let alone six. So, back to the point of what happened this last weekend." I definitely hope Nebraska gets in. I mean, I hope by all means, I hope that we've done enough in the season to warrant still being on the bubble to be part of the conversation. But just from a pure Big Ten perspective, 
Penn State did something in that conference uh, tournament that we didn't do that flipped the script a little bit. I I definitely t- would have said a week ago right now, Nebraska, if the Big Ten gets five in, Nebraska's in. I can't say that right now. That's the t- that's the tough part. And whether it comes down to exactly the scenario you said, Dave, where it's where it's they are looking at it and going Penn State or Nebraska, Penn State or Nebraska, I, I don't know. I just I think at the end there will be at some point they will look at the the conference breakdown. They will at some point even at the, as they get down to the last one or two they'll go okay well how does the breakdown look right now? I'm just I'm guessing they will again Lunardi and bracketologists yeah, I mean, are doing I, I, I that believe... right now as we speak, Dave. So. You guys are all about the bracketologists. Yeah, well, it, They're it, doing it. It peaks. It peaks fan interest. That's why. I mean, I, I think as the selection committee actually does it, I think those breaks occur because of of the teams that are in those. Again, it's about causation or corollary, right? And I, I think those numbers come up because of how how teams ultimately perform. Uh, I don't think it's the reason how things are selected, right? I do believe that the committee takes each team for their value, and uh, it all ultimately because RPI and all these metrics play into the into that that decision. Ultimately, how the conference RPI uh, is ranked ultimately results in some sort of reflection of how many teams are taken out of each each team. It's not always uh, um, a one for one. The Big Ten actually was only fourth or fifth conference last year, I believe. Um, we were slightly better than, than this year. But we got seven teams in, I believe. They were all seeded four through nine. Uh, but they ended up getting seven teams in. Uh, so that that was not necessarily a, a very strong conference RPI last year from the Big Ten. But there was, I mean, the lowest seed was a nine. So they felt that there was clearly seven Big Ten teams worthy of getting in, not even on the bubble. Uh, so I... I I think every situation is unique there, and it is really the teams uh, ultimately that result in how many uh, conference teams get in. It's not the other way around. So, um, yeah, I, I it just to me, I, I just can't imagine sitting on that selection committee and making those decisions. I feel like maybe 15, 20 years ago when they had far less metrics to use and things like, ooh, what was their record in the last 10 games was a big deal, and they would talk about that. I, I feel like that might have been a, a much larger role at some point. I do feel like they have gone away from that type of selection criteria and uh, are trying to stick hard and fast to to um, 90% numbers and, uh, and then 10% of good debate over the very uh, toughest choices. And um, I don't think things like conference numbers uh play yeah, i don't know decisions. exactly if it's 90 percent, dave or not i do know bruce rasmussen told sharp and benning last week that if we're just going to talk metrics there's no need for a committee so i definitely think the committee is there to discuss and i think there's a human element and that is yeah that's i one agree of the reasons why i don't think they haven't gotten too how many teams the, the big teams got became the big 12 that are doing the bracketologists that are just watching numbers and not watching games back to the point of nebraska basketball right now Watching that game, and you guys laid it out well earlier. Whoever watched that game, if that was their first chance to watch us, it just was the, the wrong time for us to play that that game. And that's obviously Michigan had something to do with it. Obviously, Michigan's playing really well as we've seen over the last four days now. Obviously, Wagner or Wagner or Wagner, whatever, uh, he was a little more than pumped to play us after having a two point game against us at PBA and having. <laughs> being kind of the butt of the fans' jokes, I think at the at PBA, I think he was that team was ready to play 
Nebraska, and we were not ready to play Michigan. It just couldn't have happened at a worse time. And because I do go off of eye test, and because I do go off of what I see and not just the numbers, that was I, – I really – that's a hard game for us to, to play then. Well, we all know hockey's watched so many Alabama I have. games I've this year. I've actually watched probably about five or six of them. Closely. The, the Redcast has, has forced me to watch games. I watched – I watched Wichita State. <laughs> I watched Wichita obligated. State Cincinnati today. I never would have watched that before, and I saw more. I saw more. Because you get paid so much. To I saw more disturbing, cast. you know, hand gestures by the Shocker fans today. I can't believe that they do that. But <laughs> so, uh, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask Boomer who who he thinks uh, won this debate here in a second. But I might also ask him uh, if it's. Uh, just not the 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 eye test, right? Is Bruce Rasmussen also said that they look at the entire uh, season of games for every resume, right? And it's not just the you know the last game that they saw that, or, that or any of that stuff, right? I mean, and so I'm I, I'm actually um, probably taking this loss better than most because if you still look at the the metrics that are out there, bracket matrix, et cetera, Nebraska is still showing up on some of those uh, brackets, and we're probably somewhere in the next four out list, Boomer. Is, is that right? We're probably still on yeah, five Yeah, we're somewhere in that. Or bracket, like that? Uh, bracket matrix has kind of just expanded it, and it's like the next five or six out. It's just kind of a gray area now. Everything's just kind of a... And that's because... I'll just I'll say that make sure this is clear. It's because if you are looking at the full resume and you treat a game in December as much as it is on March first, this was just one loss. It was not. It was an opportunity to notch uh, something on your belt and improve the resume, but it didn't really necessarily hurt Nebraska's resume. Uh, it, it's just another loss in the group of one. We already had those. Uh, it just it was a missed opportunity, and then it's relative speaking to the other teams that are also on the bubble, which is interesting because our season is done a week before everyone else's. So uh, there's been regular season games, a couple of games like Marquette goes and wins a game, Syracuse, but then you also see uh, losses. And so um, it, it's kind of a mixed bag of results yesterday, for example, with teams that are on the bubble with Nebraska, and it'll be intriguing to see what happens in their conference tournaments to see if anybody else takes advantage of that opportunity to get an RPI um, lifting win or they bomb out like Nebraska. So, Boomer, who wins? Uh, that was just a deep, compelling, and rich debate. I uh, did almost tee hockey up one time for uh, looking in your general direction while he was talking, so uh, you just got lucky I lost the whistle. But uh, there, were, there really were no losers there, Dave. I think we were all... I'll learn something today. Okay, maybe, so. maybe we could have a Twitter poll there on this, hockey and yep. find out, see if actually who's listening, if they actually <laughs> have an opinion on if, if your take on how the selection does it or mine is actually what the, the Redcast Nation uh, believes in. Okay, we'll post that. I don't think hockey's going to do that. All I right. Might, um, <laughs> you know, Speaking of the golden era of Nebraska ball, we do call this segment knee basketball because of Danny Knee and uh, the run of NCAA tournament appearances in the early to mid '90s. I saw that um, Dirk Chatlin on Omaha World Herald is is that I think it's Dirk is writing a, a 
a serial on the golden age of Nebraska basketball. Honky, what do you what do you think about that? Does it deserve that yeah, type of today? Uh, today it was his first of an eight part series. I mean, and this is going to be an extensive thing. I think he was saying it's basically about half a novel by the time it's all said and done. And so I'm really excited to read day by day here uh, the what what goes on. But today's the first days was a lot about just the the start of basically uh, Devaney hiring uh knee and even that was kind of interesting because it, it was you know knee was uh flying uh was gonna go to colorado on an interview and he stops in nebraska and he's like you know look i'm either going there or, or take you know take me here and so they it was like the uh, regent the chancellor and knee take him to a to the lincoln country club they have dinner and then uh i can only picture Devaney doing this but he just kind of stretches his legs kicks one of the guys and says here step outside with me and they just walk outside and leave knee, leave knee just sitting there and then then they came in and grabbed the other guy and now the three are having a conversation out there and the next day we have knee as the coach any <laughs> anywho um i almost forgot because it's been so long he is such an intriguing character i mean he was brooklyn the accent and and played with lou alcinder and was and he was in vietnam and he just he had this story he was a character as much as he was a a coach and and they had a week or two ago they had Pyatkowski and and bruce chubbuck on a one of the radio shows doing an interview and they're like yeah i mean from a coaching perspective there wasn't x's and o's he was just like yeah you just go out there and just you just run and play and that was kind of what they did and and i think they mentioned like they lost one game like the last year of Iba. They lost one game by eight points, and that game was sixty-seven to fifty-nine. The next year, they lost a game by eight points, but it was one hundred and nine to one hundred and one. The players loved it. I mean, you're going up sure. and down the court, and and I think that's one of the things that um, I, when we talk about an era, not only were we successful as successful as we've ever been under knee, um, it was also a different style. I wasn't alive for the Cipriano stuff. I was for the Mo Iba stuff. And everything since it's all been kind of a slow down kind of sixty to sixty kind of game. And knee was the one time where it's like you might lose it, but you felt you you could score ninety in the process. It was just fun. And so for for the three of us, we grew up kind of in that era. That's really where we started. Probably if we were becoming Nebraska ball fans, it would have been right at that time. And he was just a fun coach to to have around. Yeah, absolutely. Boomer, what are your first memories of knee uh, Nebraska ball? Oh, pretty similar type stuff, I think. Just, uh, you know, Danny Knee, just, it's kind of like Honky said, he just didn't really fit the, what you'd expect for Nebraska. You know, you just, like I said, he's a New Yorker, just didn't quite seem, even compare him to like the Tom Osborne, I mean, they were complete different type figures out there, just, uh, so something totally different so didn't quite go into, you know, what you'd expect it as, as a Husker, you know, um, and like Honky said, the basketball was fun to watch, so I couldn't argue with that, and the Big Eight was fun yeah, to watch back good, then. That was Billy Tubbs and Danny Knee going head to head on those type of yeah, things. Yeah, that was right? exciting stuff. And I just uh, remember him going on the run in the Big Eight tournament that one year and winning that. That was, uh, you know, fairly exciting yeah. basketball. I, I seem to recall being at my grandparents' house watching that for you know several days. I don't even remember what we were here for. It must have been you know spring break or something like that. I don't even know what it was back in the day. So no, that was exciting. Good to watch, and then we started getting those hopes of going to the NCAA tournaments, and uh, yeah, well, it, it, it's yeah. intriguing that they never won a game. They were clearly mm. good enough, at least year one yeah. and, and year, year one two was or so. But then they kind of slipped back seating wise, yeah. so it would have been a little more more of a challenge. It's also interesting to me that um, 
that we as a, whether it's the university or the athletic department or the program, um, had enough of Danny Knee to the point that he was not a Midwesterner and he would sometimes be abrasive because of that, that New York mentality that we actually fired the guy who had took us to, to five NCAA tournament uh, games in a matter of like, you know, eight years or something like that. Um, and only about, I guess what well, probably was 14 years overall he, he coached for Nebraska. Yeah, be about and that. we never really sniffed that success ever again. And uh, uh, I think he has been back a few times since then and been on the radio mm-hmm. and has a warm reception because people now are very fond of that era. But uh, at the yeah, time, he people was... were like, yeah, good riddance, Danny Nee. We can do better without you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, he, he, was, uh, he was inducted, I think, into the Nebraska you know, Hall of Fame, Basketball Hall of Fame. And at the end, I can remember, I think we were, gosh, did we play like, Oh God! Was it Rutgers or something? But obviously a non-conference. But or no, no, no! It was Rutgers that he was going to take a job to go to. I yeah, think he was going to take a job to go to Rutgers, and then it fell through. And he had kind of already like publicly said, "Hey, see ya." And then yeah, it was like, "Oops, yeah. that didn't happen." And then you know, I think he ended up sticking around for one more year. I'm, I'm probably getting some of the the specifics are screwed up, but it was just by the end of it, it was weird. It was like it was time for him to go, but. But you look back and you go, my gosh, we were having as much success as we ever really have ever had. I mean, even in nine, as late as '98 was the the Lou and and Vincent Hamilton going to Cookie. the to the NCAA yes. tournament, and that game alone, Dave, when we played Arkansas, and Arkansas with with Nolan Richardson still, and that was an up and down team. I mean, Nolan Richard they could outrun they could outrun UNLV. And Nebraska comes out there, and in the first half, I think we got like a, a five, six, seven point lead on them, and we were running mm-hmm. the court. They couldn't keep up with Nebraska. And I remember in the second half, Arkansas had to go to a half court game, and then that just like blew us up. I mean, we couldn't, we just <laughs> had no ability to to play a set offense or do anything like that. It seemed like, but but I mean, as far as just getting athletes and just letting them run and everything. And in today's um, episode or the article, the first the first part. It started talking about some of the initial guys that he was recruiting to, Bo Reed, uh, as an example. And then yep, when they right. had like Carl Hayes and, and Tony Farmer and their red shirting Chubbuck and, and Piatkowski that year that we yeah. that we finished seventh in the big eight and it's really looking like uh knee was gonna be gone. It was three straight years of finishing seventh out of eight teams. And it was that next year, that ninety one season, that's where they kind of hit the magic in the bottle and, and Bo Reed was a really big player in that being a, a leader kind of he was frustrated with the, um, oh, just the lack of discipline of the team, and they actually got Jack Stark, who is the, oh, the yeah. psychologist, the team psychologist that was working with the football team. They got him involved with basketball, and that kind of helped get some of the off the court issues figured out. And boom, they start winning games. Yeah, I mean, Nee could recruit. Uh, he actually ultimately had some really good classes after some success there, uh, thanks to some really good local talent. We've mm-hmm. talked a lot about local talent being a key to building any Nebraska uh, program success, uh, but also getting some, some out-of-state kids. And, yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's intriguing um, that it, 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 it went as well as it did for as long as it did, uh, yet was still not actually winning a, a dang NCAA tournament game. And then ultimately, kind of falling apart. I think some of the off-court issues also. Um, I don't know how much these articles will tackle that, but you know, there's just some some um, dynamics there with with 
with Danny and these players, et cetera, that, you know, there's a lot of scuttlebutt there at the end, and um, that's never mm-hmm. good either. So, Scarlet colored glasses. And next on the Go Big Red cast, let's put on our scarlet colored glasses and talk some Husker football. There's always time to do that. You know, we just were talking about the World of Herald doing a nice little uh, series on Nebraska ball. Uh, that's coming on the heels of a six-part series on the Scott Frost era, the beginning of the Scott Frost era. Uh, Henry Cordes, I believe, who is a uh, World Herald, a guy who uh, typically writes their kind of like long-form um, pieces and and has like several of their coffee table books, essentially, uh, did this uh, really interesting uh, breakdown of how Scott Frost got here, including the hiring of Bill Moose and, and Bill and navigating with uh, Matt Davidson, et cetera. I mean, really plays out as kind of a human interest story. Uh, I, I think it's intriguing that uh, we're only a few months into the Scott Frost era and the uh, Omaha World Herald uh, 2018 Christmas coffee table book has already been written about Scott Frost. Uh uh, hockey, I, I know you've read all of them, and uh, you've probably enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, wh- what do you think on um, this deep dive in uh, the first few months of the Scott Frost era? I, I thought it was absolutely fascinating. Really broke down the entire hiring process from well before even Eichhorst had been fired all the way through uh, the, the hiring. It was a, just a fascinating kind of process that, that everything went through. I really wish... Looking back on it now, I wish that we would have had the same type of series done in 2004 with the Callahan 41-day search, and I wish we would have had something with the Planey search and the and the Riley it one. It would be wasn't nearly as positive of a situation. It, it wouldn't have been as positive, but it would have been probably every bit as entertaining, you know. And and, sure, and sure. even just the things like some of the the feedback. Um, I think some people have the the impression, and rightfully so. President Bounds, I think they really felt like you know he ran everything here. And Chancellor Green, that he was interviewed in this, and they it showed a lot of his decision making in the process too, from you know basically during that Northern Illinois game, him saying this is this is it to him, yeah, to him being able. I thought that was in, intriguing. Yeah. Honky, pause for one second mm-hmm. there and talk through that. If people haven't read that, there is a, a it was right after the Northern Illinois game, I believe, where I mean he he just pretty much said okay. I mean he just like was like. That's not going to work. He, he he knew it right then and there that Eichhorst was going to have to be fired. I thought that was really an intriguing uh, tidbit. Yeah, well, and, and you know, Eichhorst, obviously after that Northern Illinois game, that was the hour after the game gets done. He comes down and talks to the media for the first time ever and, you know, talks about leadership and everything. But but things are starting to fall apart, and we, we kind of all knew it. Now, the credit goes, again, to to the combination of bounds and – and uh, and green that the credit goes to them making that decision then and not waiting because it would, it would have been very easy to wait this thing out let another month or two go by now the season gets done now it's time to fire the you know ad and try to fire the coach all at the same time and I think what what if if there's anything to take out of this I don't think it's about firing coaches in the middle of the season and moose was very big on that right and we've seen that certain schools went out and they fired their coaches in the middle of the season i don't think it's important to fire a coach in the middle of the season i think it's important to have your leadership in place in the middle of the season and beyond so that when the firing of a coach does happen you have 100 percent support for whatever needs to happen next and that's what sure. happened by by Eichhorst being gone when he was and i thought part of the the, the process here Another thing about Chancellor Green, he talked to um, 
well, it must have been to Bill Moose, and he brought up, he mentioned to him the the empty plane that was flown down in 2004 to Arkansas. He mentions that to him yeah. to say, like, you know, we want to make sure we context. don't have one of those kind of things. And, again, you know, we just saw this with Tennessee two months ago and, and their AD getting fired in the process. We've seen really poorly done hirings and firings, and they will continue on forever. It's like people will never always – they don't always learn from you know previous mistakes of other institutions and so on, but it's just one of those things. When I was as I was reading each one of these days, I just so appreciated how this leadership team went about everything they did from from the from the moment that the decision was made on Icorse to bringing in Remington to bringing in the right guy Moose and that and the uh, and the the series talks about Moose and why he was interested in Nebraska, why he was interested in us before the job ever opened. I think that was fascinating. That was really fascinating, actually. Yeah. I mean, he had the eye on this Nebraska job for a long time. And, you know, sometimes things, historically, I mean, I'm trying to fast forward, you know, five years from now when we're winning national titles and everything, right, and we look back at uh, on this era at that time, sometimes things are just about timing. And timing just has to be right. And Moose was just at a timing in his life where he wanted to, he had already told a guy he wanted this job just a couple months before he said if this job ever came up this was on top of his list of jobs that he had handed to this guy that was for turnkey search committee or something and and then that right then that committee ends up being the one that was hired to to do the search and then and that gets him a, an interview and so somebody that you and i had never even heard of we didn't know who bill moose was from anyone else back in september but by the time it all played out he was the perfect candidate, the logical one. The timing of, of Frost having the success that he was having, everything just kind of played out. And this is the one last thing, I guess, and I'll, I'll kind of hush up for a second, is that this was not – we always hear, we always hear the talking heads, the national talking heads. They know everything. They got more things wrong here than they got right. There was no way that Frost was interested in this job. No way because – He's going to go to Florida or Tennessee. Nope. And then that last week, well, by that point when Florida and Tennessee had already moved on, it was clear, well, he's definitely coming to Nebraska now because, you know, it's it's obvious. Nope. He had serious reservations up until the last minute. But but you build your own luck. And Moose went out there and he got guys like Matt Davison and, 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 and uh, Osborne to be kind of his conduits, and that really worked out in his favor. He had people talking to him when he did have those second thoughts. And that's where we got to where we are today. It wasn't easy, but but it got done. Sure, sure. So, I mean, if any one of this Redcast group wears the scarlet-colored glasses uh, more than honky, I'd be be uh, surprised. Uh, but I, I think that's a really good breakdown of of how the story is written. Uh, I guess if I would take. Um, uh, a more cynical approach, which maybe Boomer probably <laughs> typically that would be Boomer's has, job, <laughs> um, is that the World Herald really has acted as a mouthpiece of nice, nice bit of propaganda of how all this worked out. It was, it's, it was a very uh, fortunate in many ways and very uh, smooth, right? And but, but it's being told by the actors that want you to think it, it's uh, all was meant to be, right? And so I guess my question to Boomer is, is when you read this this type of article and you hear that, you know, that uh, Bounds and Green, you know, decided to fire I-Course, but they didn't, they didn't have Scott Frost picked out yet or anything like that. Um, 
or they didn't necessarily hire Moose just because they thought he would be the right guy to bring it in. It all just worked out together. I mean, how much of the cynic in you is like, you know, they're not telling us the whole story yet either, actually. Oh, I'd imagine probably a good uh, 100% of that. You know, yeah, (laughs) just a cynical part of me. Yeah, I mean, you're getting good stuff out of this. Again, there's reasons we never did get the, you know, day four of the Houston nut debacle, you know, know, search like that. Nobody wants to let that stuff leak out. We're not going to hear that. I could imagine if this was written about the 41-day search. That would have been entertaining. They would have actually made it sound like it was all supposed yeah, to happen. Would have been good. We got yeah, Landon Bill Callahan, Callahan you know? and this NFL gem just fell in our lap, kind of thing. You know, that's that's how it would read. <laughs> now, now, to be oh, fair, you know, this plan is, to get this Callahan is, the whole time, Boomer. Yeah, what are you talking this is part about? of what uh, you know. Athletic departments need to do, though. They need to you know put the positive face out there because there are positives to take away from this. Hockey addressed quite a few of those. We do look competent. Oh, yeah. We're other big schools like Tennessee look like a dumpster fire, uh, you know, in this whole process in the last decade. So that's good. You know, that's something you want to get out there. And frankly, if they have opportunities to do that, they'd be negligent not to take advantage of things like that. I'd be mm-hmm. curious, Boomer, I'd be curious if the Knoxville paper uh, wrote a six-part uh, <laughs> series on the debacle that I'll, I'll was do a digging, the Tennessee you know, hiring. I'll do one of our uh, off moments here and see if we can find anything on the hiring process, but I sort of suspect <laughs> not. Yeah, Boomer, yeah. Boomer, look in look into our, our Arizona State too, and see if uh, they told Herm Edwards like yeah. what their name is or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that would be really Maybe interesting. Figured that out yet? I don't know. Yeah, we're still not sure. So, no, it's right? it's I mean, they it's something that you, you, know, you like to see. Like I said, they get their coffee table book out by by you know twenty eighteen season start and strike while the iron is hot here, and let's uh, you know take advantage of all the positivity when you can. Just makes sense, I yep. guess. Yeah, might as well yep. try to absolutely. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's talk about a little more real real Husker football here. Maybe not quite so positive. Uh, NFL Combine going on right now. Uh, we've got uh, quite a few Huskers actually uh, participating. Tanner Lee is thrown, and he looks like you know, great on on film like usual and that type of stuff. Uh, Nick Gates got a lot of criticism, um, probably some of it unfairly, but uh, he only threw up twenty reps uh, as a lineman. Uh, on the bench press, Honky, uh, what do you what do you think about a the combine in general? I guess, but b, I mean, some of the criticism thrown at Nick Gates. Well, the combine so far, I mean, the headlines of it actually there is a little bit of a Nebraska connection because UCF's uh, Shaquem Griffin uh, yes. has just blown it up. I mean, he had a four ran a four three eight in the forty today, yep. which was faster. I mean, I saw a list of like people that that's faster than, and I'm talking, you know. Adrian Peterson and Odell Beckham and all that kind of stuff, right? So, I mean, great yep. great players, and he's run faster than that as a linebacker. He also, you mentioned Nick Gates. Uh, Griffin, I think, lifted 28 or 29 reps and with, with one hand, and Nick Gates yep. lifted 20. And so you mentioned the Nick Gates and, thing. And Shaquem Griffin weighs, what, 225, yeah. something like that himself? I mean, he's yeah. – And it was – it's – it's kind of rough because I mean I I I'm going to defend Nick Gates here for a second because he really, at least on social media there he was getting beat up pretty bad because the second that he lifted only twenty and twenty is not a terrible number but by O lineman standards obviously you know I'm sure he sure. would like to do a few more but my gosh Boomer you were you know, we were talking about it a little bit too I mean you saw some of them it was kind of brutal the um, some of the response and just oh he's not lifting weights and this and that and. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, gosh, dang, I just, I, 
I don't know. Maybe I'm just trying to. I, I'm living in in Mayberry or something, but I just wish people are just a little nicer well, sometimes online. Yeah, there's... maybe you can look this up too. I I can't imagine Boomer. I'll let you jump in, but no. I just got to want to make sure. I think it was Orlando Brown, maybe of Oklahoma. He ran a historically bad. Oh, that forty forty yard dash. Yeah, that was right. That was it was like five point eight six seconds, which I I have no idea if that number is that bad or not. But then I watched him. And I'm like, wow. Yeah. I, he does look really, really slow. And the only reason I even saw that, Dave, was because someone retweeted it and said, this is the Nick Gates of, of 40 times. I'm like, gosh, this guy is just getting raked through the coals, people. He actually ran a 40, and it was faster than that. Come on. All right, you know, I mean, take it away, man. What do you think? So he just, I, you know, I, I don't know. I guess I'm just trying to defend the guy there. I don't think he's – and I, I wish very good things for Nick as, as he goes on, you know. But – but anyways, that that was that Boomer, was him. Thoughts M- moving forward with with uh, Lyman that we will hopefully be having play for us in the future. Uh, we released a uh, scholarship offer to uh, Ethan Piper from Norfolk, so another in-state kid. And uh, when you add that to Snodgrass from York, Nelson from Scotts Bluff, now this kid, and then we have the two from from uh, Omaha. Burke that are going to be kind of national recruits. That's right there. That's five in-state kids that have offers, and you know we'll kind of see what happens from there. But but that's a that's a pretty that's a pretty big number for us. Hey Honky, mm-hmm. uh, Ethan Piper, where is he from? He's Norfolk Catholic. Gotcha. And who else is from Norfolk Catholic that's played for the Huskers historically? Uh, well, his elementary school. Uh, principal was bill lafleur and that's one of the reasons why uh bill was a punter at the time that frost was coaching or playing here so that was kind of a connection that they had I remember that. but there's also been yeah. um oh i think kevin raymakers i don't know if he was catholic or kevin raymakers really isn't that one of your favorite like nebraska huskers there honk i mean you you're always talking about how like uh, the previous coaching staffs would never take a Kevin Raymakers. Yeah, well, right? and here we are offering Ethan Piper. Well, and he, he's the new Kevin Raymakers. I do think that there's an interest. It's still interesting to me that we'll look at next year's class in state kids and we'll go, what a what a bumper crop of kids these are. What a great cl- class because we have five offers out to in state kids. And I and I agree. I'm, I'm like I'm very happy that we have five. I want it to be six and seven. But when you look at it from a traditional standpoint, I don't know that if this was Pelini coaching here, if it was Callahan or if it was Riley, well, not Riley because he did offer a couple of these kids, but let's say Pelini. I could easily see them passing on Snodgrass. I could easily see them passing on Nelson. And I could definitely see them passing on Piper, right? You know, I mean, it, it sure. would be, and then all of a sudden. Piper has Iowa and, and maybe a few other Power Five offers. Correct. Right? And. I'm glad that we're not. I'm glad that we're offering these kids. I mean, that's that's my point behind this is I want us offering these kids. And I think there are other kids similar to these types of players over the years that we haven't always offered that maybe ended up going to the Wyoming's or some of the smaller schools or in some cases, yes, Iowa, like the Prater Twins, you know. So, I mean, there's right. plenty of examples like that or just how we Pelini mis, you know, mishandled the whole Harrison Phillips thing to begin with. What, what I'm happy is I hope that this becomes the, the new norm moving forward, is that I hope in, you know, giving Frost and this, this staff an entire year and two years and three years to build up these connections with high school coaches and, and seeing players from their freshman years on through at camps and all that, that there's just no sure. way that we're going to miss out 
on any of those kids, the Kevin Raymakers, as you said, the Pat Engelberts from from good old Skodas, the the Terry Keneally's from Hyannis playing eight-man football, all these players got scholarships coming out of high school. And I know it's a little bit different era, and, and if Mac was on the, the show right now, he'd be – He'd probably be beating me up for you know saying it's not the '90s and not the '80s and stop it, honking. But <laughs> but it's good to see that we're 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 getting these kids offers again. So like it. I hear you. Uh, sp- speaking of new traditions, et cetera, uh, the schedule has come out for spring practice, and it has uh, been shook up a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, we there is. I'm going to run through this, and you'll run through it a second time. Uh, we do practice once before spring break, just because I think to get 15 practices in, they're, they're just going to have to do that. Then yep. they break. Then the majority of the practices occur. They're going to be morning practices, uh, which is what Frost wants to do, and I think it's uh, a, a good idea. It might be more challenging going into the fall, but it, it should work here in the spring. And then they actually have a, a practice after the spring game, which will be also be intriguing, but yes. it also could be a chance to correct mistakes and evaluate. What do you think about all that? Hunk? Well, I love the practice after spring game specifically, right, right off the bat mm-hmm. that I think what a, the fact that I've never heard that being done before, but I guess other schools have, it makes total sense. You know, you have this big, this big game that gets done, this big scrimmage in front of 90 or 60,000 or 40,000, wherever the, the different schools have it. And then you get done and you're just done. Right, the kids, you just send them off to, you know, they're they're off for a month, you know, take finals and and you're you're done. And here's this idea of let's get them together one more time, one more practice. Let's watch some film, and I think it's a, a good use of that time. Now, as it also turns out, they also kind of had a scheduling thing where they wanted to have the spring game. I think it was one week later that couldn't happen, so then they kind of right. had a couple of extra dates, and that's how they did this specifically. And I don't know, I'm. I'm this is just kind of my – I'm looking at this kind of hypothetically, but that one practice that they're going to have before spring break and then they're going to go on spring break and then they're going to come back, in my mind, the way I see that practice is that's an initiation practice. That is sure. we are – we're going to – we're going to – it's going to be fast. You're going to be gassed by the end of it. And it, and I can imagine Frost, his, his discussion to the team after that practice, I, already I can picture it. Well, guys, go and enjoy spring break and you better come back and – that first practice back, it's going to be just like this again. So have fun. See ya. But, uh, you know, <laughs> if you think you're going to go out and, and put on 15 pounds in the next week, you know, partying it up somewhere, uh, you may you may want to rethink that because th- what you just saw is what it's going to be like. And it, I absolutely picture that being the mentality. Now, in the future, I don't know that they'll do it that way because I know he doesn't like that separation. Right. But for year one, I, I think it's genius. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, it should be interesting. That's for certain. Um, and I, I, I think it's going to be interesting uh, to follow it. I think there's going to be just uh, a lot lot coming out, you know. I mean, to actually have some of our uh, Nebraska scribes actually watching some of these practices, even if just one or two, it should be really interesting to, to see the feedback. So mm-hmm. very different. Absolutely. Around the Van Horn. Before we wrap this whole thing up, we can do a little Around the Van Horn uh, Huskers uh, did uh, salvage a win today down in Wichita, but they did lose the first two, not in, in good fashion either. They did not look strong. Um, Boomer, uh, you're following the series pretty close closely there on Twitter and whatnot. Uh, any positives out of this weekend? Looks like they maybe found some offense today. At least. Yeah, finally. I mean, you had to 
try to salvage whatever you could out of that. I mean, that was pretty disappointing performance. You know, those first couple of games just couldn't seem to get anything going on it. So, so that that hurts. And plus, you know, the rest of the Big Ten actually had a pretty good showing this weekend, which kind of makes you hope the the team can finally have the bats come alive. Maybe this last game will spark something because it's they're probably going to need some offense. I think the Big Ten may be fairly competitive. So, yeah, I mean, if Illinois won three games this weekend over the Pac-12. Um, Minnesota, I think, won at least yep. one. Uh, they're, Purdue's uh, looking all right. Indiana's ranked and, and doing okay. Maybe the Big Ten might actually be pretty strong this year, which could help us RPI-wise. So if we could just start collecting some wins now. We do have a homestand coming up. Cal Poly comes into town for a four-game set, and I think we get Northern Colorado and 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 whatnot. Just get some wins there. I mean, we're six and five. That I mean, which is about where we usually are sometime this year. Maybe even it should be behind that from a win loss record. Erstad's teams have historically not started that hot. I don't know why they seem to start slow. They play really well in the middle of the season, and then somehow they just collapse at the end, right? Yep. Well, they've held that pattern up so far. They have not looked strong this year on either the mound or at the plate. But it doesn't. It isn't all lost yet, so uh, we'll see how they can turn this around. You can hope, like Wichita State, dude. Those guys are now what eight and one. Yeah, maybe they're the real deal. Um, yeah, it's early. Yeah, it's hard, hard to know. To yeah, it's hard to know with a lot of these games what exactly we're seeing. So RPI, you've got numbers, but they don't mean squat this early in the season. Uh, yep. You know, Oregon State's a good team. I think we can all accept that. But uh, everyone else we've yes. played still kind of up in the air. Utah, well, they might be a terrible team, but uh, I don't think they've won a game yet, if I'm remembering correctly. They're, they look pretty poor. But So plenty of opportunity to move up. You know, we've got Big Ten, so we should do well. Well, and Dave, you mentioned kind of compared to some previous seasons for Erstad. I mean, this is by far right now right. the best record at this point, the 6-5. and five. But – I mean, in some of the other seasons, have we just played harder, earlier schedules than this? Or is this kind of – obviously, we played Oregon State, I would, but is this kind of yeah. – uh, I would say yes, uh, by really maybe just a game or two, or but an important game or two. Like last year, we had Arizona, mm-hmm. and I want to say one of the Texas schools down there in a Houston matchup. Uh, we lost those games. We didn't win them, but we played those games – and that still helps RPI at the end of the end of the year. So we had mm-hmm. a, a worse win loss record, but an RPI probably uh, building uh, early season schedule, which we don't have as much. This and year. So actually, yeah, it wasn't. Oh gosh, what was it? Was it three or four years ago? There was that team that it started really getting hot by the end. It was playing well. It was good enough. It probably could have made the postseason, but we didn't have the 500 record. We were like just one or two under 500. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and it was yeah. basically our... might have been Urstad's first year, actually. Yeah, our start we lost was so Indiana. Bad. We lost Indiana in the Big Ten uh, title game, and we finished 29-30. and 30. Essentially, we would win one more game that year. Uh, a, a, like a bare minimum to get in the NCAA uh, baseball tournament is you have to have a winning record. And we literally go 30-29 and 29 that year. We would have been in because our RPI was in the 20s. It was just like oh, wow. rock solid with a couple of good wins and um, just did not have the actual the, the baseline requirement of a winning record. And a lot of that and started so, at the very beginning of the season. It yep, was exactly, it, you know, starting from yep. such a, 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 you know, we were so far under 500 at one point. So 
being six and five right now, obviously, it's a, that is a good sign. There, that that win today on Sunday, the last you know the last game of the Wichita State series, just not getting swept. And I know that one text yeah, innings yeah, is that correct? Counts. Boomer did it go ten. Yes. Yeah, I mean yes. that's just a, that's a huge win, <laughs> it really is. And we just I had, had a, a a game tying two run homer in the ninth, uh, and then another one in the tenth. So clutch hitting is like to, to Boomer's point uh, qu- quite a bit on on Twitter is we just have, our bats have been dead and just just not really there. Here we finally uh, rose to the occasion a little bit. So maybe that's a good sign uh, for things to come because it's a, it is tough, you know, to to be a even with all the facilities that we have in Lincoln for baseball to not play real games for a while is always a challenge. And so uh, knocking the rust off and we'll, we'll see where they go. All right. Good stuff, guys. Uh, they play call, uh, Cal Poly at home, actually, I believe this weekend, uh, four games in three days. So go, go check that out and, and hopefully we uh, get some, get some wins there. All right, guys, uh, you ready for some parting shots? Yep. Honky, take it away. Well, to piggyback off of what you were just saying, with a no Big Ten basketball tournament this weekend, there's no excuse not to go out and watch the baseball team uh, against Cal Poly here. So uh, definitely go out there. The, ga- the weather's in the 50s each of the days. It should be should be wonderful. Um, my other parking shot is uh, as a proud Columbus Scotus alumni, uh, the Shamrocks. I want to give a congrats to the Columbus Scotus girls basketball team yesterday for – uh, defeating Bishop Newman and winning the Class C1 uh, Girls Championship there. Uh, they're first since 2004, but they're fifth overall. So congratulations, Columbus Scotus. S-H-A-M-R-O-C-K-S, Shamrocks! <laughs> that's, that's, that's the Shamrock pride that I, I've known from you guys for years. Uh, Boomer, what do you got? Well, I'd just like to uh, remind our uh, Redcast listeners to keep listening. Uh, as of uh, with next week, we will begin our 16-part series looking into the uh, recruitment and career of uh, James Baron Von Raschke here to the uh, University of Nebraska. So I know you're all looking forward to that. Induct the Baron. Hashtag induct the Baron. Let's do all it. Right, Come right. on, Redcasters. Get behind Boomer on this. Yeah, if you don't want to hear about it anymore, just get him in the Hall of Fame if, and we can move on. If everyone... <laughs> If everyone hashtags induct the boomer and tweet someone else induct and they the tweet someone else, it's going to happen. Induct the Baron, I believe. Induct the Baron. Induct did the I, baron. What did I say? Induct the boomer? Well, you could put me in the Hall of Fame, too, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's sure. That's fine. Uh, that's so. a career goal out of this podcast yeah. is getting to the Nebraska Hall yeah. of Fame, I'm sure. <laughs> There'll be a podcast Hall of Fame before long, you know, or <laughs> Nebraska Twitter, Twitter Hall of Fame, I'm in the way, you know. That's Sports right. is going, right. so. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, good show. Good show. Let's uh, we'll do this uh, next week and maybe uh, surprise, surprise. Somehow we have some good news about Nebraska basketball. But if not, maybe we're talking about a NAT home game, right? Uh, all right. Let's call that a go big redcast. Go selection committee.